Welcome back to Voice Over Work, an audiobook sampler. Dreading that to-do list? Feeling paralyzed by resistance? Fear not, warriors of procrastination? Do the things you hate. By Peter Hollins isn't about gritting your teeth and suffering. It's about unlocking the badassery within and conquering those dreaded tasks for good. This book isn't a torture manual. It's a battle cry. Hollins dives deep, helping you diagnose your unique laziness, triggers and understand the power of your emotions. You'll learn to embrace the discomfort and even see it as fuel for growth. Forget instant gratification. Here, you'll master the 90-second rule, a powerful tool to crush resistance before it starts. Imagine turning, I hate this, into I did it, and achieving things you never thought possible. Open this book, step onto the battlefield, and claim your victory. It's not about suffering, it's about freedom. Are you ready to become the master of your own destiny? This has been How to Do Things You Hate, Self-Discipline to Suffer Less, Embrace the Suck, and Achieve Anything. Written by Peter Hollins, narrated by Russell Newton. Copyright 2023 by Peter Hollins. Production copyright by Peter Hollins. Chapter 1. What's wrong with me? You wake up a little late one morning, and you're completely exhausted. You have a scary-looking to-do list, and you're exhausted just looking at it. Eventually, you pull yourself out of bed, force yourself to get ready for the day, and cajole yourself into doing the day's tasks, much the same way an armed prison warden watches over a chain gang to make sure that nobody's slacking off. But you still manage to slack off anyway, and after barely five minutes on a task, you already notice your mind popping up and asking you if it's time for a break. Then a whole slew of well-worn excuses come out of the woodwork. It's too late to get started now anyway. You're tired. Actually, come to think of it, do you feel a little cold coming on? And truthfully, you don't really even know what you're doing. You can do this later. Maybe you don't have to do it at all. Fast forward a few minutes and you're scrolling mindlessly online or doing some other non-essential task. This spice rack urgently needed to be alphabetized. What else was I going to do? Even worse, maybe you're doing that special kind of relaxing that doesn't actually feel relaxing at all, i.e., you're avoiding the work you said you'd do, but getting very little joy from it because you now feel guilty, anxious, and resentful about the whole thing. Not much of a break when you know that the dreaded task is still waiting there for you in the wings, right? Through a massive exertion of willpower, you manage to turn away from whatever screen is distracting you and push yourself to focus on the task again. It feels boring pointless, too hard. You grind through, putting every last bit of effort into it, and five minutes later you stop again. By the end of the day, you've done very little, but somehow feel absolutely spent. The next morning your to-do list is a little longer and a little scarier. If this problem sounds at all familiar, then you've probably asked yourself this question, what on earth is wrong with me? One possible answer is, you're lazy. The thing about diagnosing this complex string of behaviors as laziness is that, well, it's lazy. Whether you call it procrastination, fear of failure, 
laziness, or fatigue? Something is holding you back and preventing you from achieving the goal you have already identified for yourself as valuable. The instinct may be to run from the problem, but in doing so, you never get to understand why you behave this way in the first place. In fact, as you read on, you may come to see that this overly simplistic and knee-jerk labeling of behavior as lazy is part of precisely the same set of beliefs and habits that keeps you behaving this way. So, we'll begin our book not with, say, 10 easy productivity hacks for getting over your laziness, but rather a closer look at what laziness actually is. You procrastinate for a reason. Understand that reason and give yourself a real chance to do something different. On the other hand, if you are uninterested in why you behave as you do right now, you may very well stay trapped there, constantly trying to solve a problem using the very same mindset that created the problem in the first place. The Different Types of Laziness So, let's take a curious, neutral, almost scientific attitude to the problem. First, what is laziness? Laziness can be defined as the conscious unwillingness to put in the necessary... Chapter 2. The Discipline Mindset In the previous chapter, we took a close look at exactly how we get in our own ways and undermine our attempts at growth, learning, and development. With a better understanding of what can go wrong, however, we're now better prepared to consider the healthier alternative. What does a disciplined person look like? How do they behave, think, feel? If you've read any productivity self-help material before, or encountered any advice about self-discipline, you might have gotten the idea that it's just about what you do. And in a way, that is 100% true. But what really matters is the mindset behind those actions. If you've heard that really effective and accomplished people wake up at 4 a.m. every morning, for example, you might then proceed to force yourself to do the same hoping that it will make you similarly effective and accomplished. But this is to misunderstand that the behavior you can observe in someone is only the very end result of a long, internal, and completely private process. Unless you understand those hidden motivations, mindsets, attitudes, and beliefs, then you're just blindly copying behavior without understanding what it means. The behavior is not what made that person successful. The mindset was. This probably also explains why truly successful people don't tend to consume the kind of inspirational content that ends up being made about them. In this chapter, we'll look at three things that characterize the mindset of people who end up displaying superior motivation, discipline, and effectiveness in life. One, their ability to embrace and work with discomfort. Two, their psychological flexibility. Three, their capacity for emotional self-regulation. Let's take a look at each in turn. How to embrace discomfort. In the previous chapter, we saw that a big part of some people's laziness is the merry-go-round of experiential avoidance. However, even if you didn't particularly recognize yourself in those descriptions, almost all of us have a suboptimal relationship with discomfort in a general sense, and it hinders our ability to reach our fullest potential. 
Truly effective people are on more than speaking terms with discomfort. They have an ongoing, long-term relationship with it. Their entire outlook in this area is counter to what is usually encouraged in conventional culture. We've already encountered the idea of comfort orientation. But what does discomfort orientation look like? The Stoics will be providing the theoretical backbone for this chapter, since they knew the strength of the connection between discomfort and growth. But first, let's consider an example. David has worked hard in his career and now has plenty of disposable income. Over time, he creates a home entertainment system that is more and more sophisticated. He buys bigger and bigger screens, invests in more expensive gaming equipment, and sinks himself regularly into a perfect sofa that feels like a cloud to sit on. There's a built-in drinks fridge and voice-controlled lighting. At first, David saw this project as a kind of reward for earning well and a way to relax after work. But soon, he starts to become someone he isn't really proud of. He gains weight. He starts spending hours every day zoned out in front of the screen. And his relationships suffer. One day, he has a full-scale temper tantrum. Because the band... Chapter 3. The Discipline Habit Discomfort Tolerance Psychological Flexibility Emotional Regulation If you can master these three mindsets in your own life, you can start to appreciate the secret that every truly effective person knows. It's possible to harness your mind power and use it to work for you rather than constantly be at its mercy or even have it work against you. What's remarkable is that this possibility is available to anyone, no matter where they currently are in their lives. No matter what happens today, you can wake up tomorrow and choose to use your mind as a tool to help you build the life you want for yourself. No matter what is happening right now, you can choose what your experience will be and how you will act. Now that we've taken a good look at what it's like to not have self-discipline, as well as the three key ingredients for the discipline mindset, let's dive into the problem that likely brought you to this book in the first place, procrastination. We are now going to put that mindset to use and manifest it in consistent, real-world action, that is, in habit. The Procrastination Doom Loop Two things seem true about procrastination. Everyone has a theory about how not to do it, yet everyone seems to do it. According to Derek Thompson's article in The Atlantic, procrastination is related more to a person's emotions rather than their time management skills. Breaking the habit of procrastination is therefore a psychological exercise rather than simply a matter of being more organized. The insight here is that self-discipline is not about having a well-structured schedule, for example, or a good morning routine. Rather, it's about maintaining the kind of mindset that would make those habits and behaviors possible. Joseph Ferrari, a psychology professor at DePaul University, compares telling a chronic procrastinator to just do it to telling a clinically depressed person to cheer up. Through his research, Ferrari has identified two main reasons behind procrastination. People delay taking action because they don't feel like they are in the right mood to complete the task. 
people believe that their mood will change in the near future. Here, you'll probably recognize a few of the elements we've already discussed, namely experiential avoidance, comfort orientation, a fixed mindset, and the failure to accept the present moment and everything that is true for you in that moment. Ferrari refers to the above two factors as the procrastination doom loop. You can probably guess how the loop goes. One, you put off an important task. Two, you feel guilt, shame, or anxiety. Three, these anxious emotions then make it even less likely you'll muster the emotional and cognitive energy needed to complete the task, because, remember, you believe you have to be in the right mood to start. Four, you keep putting off the task. Five, you feel even more guilt, shame, and anxiety. Six, and so on for a few cycles, and then seven, doom. Very quickly, you find yourself in a nasty loop. There are many interesting theories about what starts us out on a procrastination loop, but in a way, that is not as important as figuring out why the loop is maintained. In other words, a vicious cycle has no root. Procrastination is far more complex than commonly believed. Chapter 4. Self-Discipline. Today and Forever. You already have everyday habits that you follow without thinking about it. The question is whether you choose to make those habits ones that align with your goals. You already have a mindset that colors everything in your world. The question is how you choose to shape that mindset and use it as a tool. You already have attention. The question is whether you can consciously choose where that attention lands and how long to keep it there. By the same principle, your body has certain limits, preferences, and patterns built in. The question is whether you can work with these patterns or work against them. In this final chapter, we're looking at what self-discipline looks like in the long term. Many people can find it easy to muster up dedication, as long as they don't have to maintain it for longer than a month or so. They may hear the word discipline and imagine it's a bit like the mindset of going on a diet, i.e., something painful and unsustainable that you will only keep up for as long as you need to and then drop as soon as you can. But those among us who are truly disciplined know that it's a long life, and staying consistently disciplined forever requires a little more than doing dramatic overnight transformations that only leave you back at square one in a few weeks or months. Specifically, it requires a clear-headed acknowledgement of the fact that you will mess up and strategies to work with that fact. It's all about expectation. If you have a vision of a disciplined life that looks like perfection, ease, all-or-nothing thinking, and constant improvement day after day, you're going to give up at the first hurdle. Rather, disciplined and effective people have figured out how to work with their failures, their lack of motivation, their bad days, and their unexpected setbacks. They're never surprised when things don't go to plan. In fact, they expect it and have already set up a plan to not only persist, but to turn that adversity to their advantage. We'll be looking at ways to work around your natural physical limitations to get the most out of your energy and attention levels, as well as how to structure your day-to-day -day life so that no obstacles, snags, or disappointments ever have the power to derail you completely. It's not about invulnerability or perfection. 
but rather about flexibility, learning, and a slow but steady approach that breeds success in the real world. Working with your ultradian rhythms. Sometimes, the most disciplined thing you can do is take a nap. If that seems surprising to you, consider that just because action is valuable, it doesn't mean that it's always the best thing to do at every moment. Rest is valuable too. And in a way, it's the other side of the productivity coin. When we rest, we consolidate, refresh ourselves, and pause to digest what we've learned. By sometimes doing nothing, we are more effective when we are active. That's why it's worth abandoning the all-or-nothing, no-pain-no-gain style of thinking that tells you that the only way to achieve is to go, 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 and that the only valid way to respond to fatigue is to blast through it with sheer force of will. Our bodies, in their wisdom, will tell us clearly when we need a break. If we listen, we can learn to interpret these signals, drowsiness, loss of focus, hunger, fidgetiness, for what they are rather than assuming that we lack discipline and then ignoring them. We've already mentioned the ultra-high achievers in the world and the value of their... How to do things you hate. Self-discipline to suffer less, embrace the suck, and achieve anything. Written by Peter Hollins, narrated by Russell Newton. Remember, conquering those unwanted tasks isn't about self-punishment, it's about liberation. Imagine the life you could have with that dreaded list vanquished. Imagine the pride, the confidence, the doors that open. Do the things you hate. Isn't just a book, it's a key to unlock your true potential. Open it, own it, and unleash the badass within. The battlefield awaits.